Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Welcome into the program as we talk investing, finance, and retirement here on The Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. What's going on, my friend? How you doing this week? Doing great, Mark. How are you? Hanging in there. Not doing too bad. You and I were chatting just briefly before we hit the record button and had some cool days here. We're kind of getting into fall now, starting to cool down a little bit. You like fall? I love fall. It's my favorite time because one, I love football and I like a little cooler weather. Well, that's back too. At the time we're taping this, it's already kicked off as well. So uh, happy guy then, right? Yeah, that's right. Hopefully our Chiefs, my Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl champions there you go. Uh, can at least make us proud again next January. Well, I've heard them, you know, I heard I heard a conversation the other day. They were saying, can they run the table? And it's so hard to do and yada, yada. But we'll see. There's a lot of games to go before that happens. But a lot of games, a lot of injuries kind of happen. That's right. Then, so. Oh, yeah. Injuries are the great equalizer sometimes. Well, let's jump into today's topic because we're going to talk about, we got actually a lot to unpack. So we're going to dive in and talk about eye-opening stats showing how Americans save. And this is actually based off Vanguard's uh, How America Saves 2020 report, Steve. And it's it's got a lot of information in there. I'm going to kind of go through and just grab a few highlights that I thought were interesting, get your take on it. Uh, to be fair, this data is technically 2019 and parts of 2020, obviously, uh, like a lot of things are. And since it's probably the first you know, quarter of 2020, more than likely. But anyway, let's take a look at this because there's just some interesting stuff in here. And I want to kind of get your take on it and how it might compare to quote unquote normal, you know, savings behaviors that we might or might, you know, maybe we should be seeing, but we don't. So let me just start unpacking all this. There's a ton of stuff. Uh, the data shows in this report, Steve, that uh, defined contribution plans, and we'll just call them DCs, like your 401k, your 403b, you know, your alphabet soup, are now used by more than 100 million Americans with an excess of assets of about 8.8 trillion, which is a lot. So what about your client base? What, you know, like, do you see a lot of people, is that kind of the centerpiece of most people's retirement plans when they come in to sit down with you as these, these defined contribution plans? Yeah, it is. It, it For the most part, most people have, have put money into uh, the plan when it's been offered. And they, they will, typically it's kind of interesting because a lot of people change jobs. So they may have three, four of them that uh, they either still have or they've run it or transferred them into an IRA. So most people uh, have these plans uh, because when they first get hired on, that's the first thing that, that the employer you know, tells them, hey, we've got a 401k plan and if you put money in, we match it, et cetera. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, that doesn't surprise well, me. That, and that, we've got uh, some shocking numbers on that too for the whole matching thing. We'll get to that in a second. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what are your reactions to these stats? 15%, only 15% of plan participants Use the catch-up contributions. So tell us what the catch-up contributions are and what do you think about only 15% of the people when offered and when available are taking advantage of it? A catch-up is if you're 50 and older, you can put more money or you can defer more money uh, than somebody who's under 50. It's just a way that, that you can put more money in to the plan. And what I find the reason why people don't max out their 401k, and, and we're going to probably get into the Roth portion of it, but let's Let's just deal with with um, the savings part. Okay, um, and that has to do while only fifteen percent even catch up. But I think the the number isn't much higher for people really putting in substantial amounts of money into it is because they don't budget for it. 
Um, they go, I just don't have enough money to each month to put into my retirement plan. I need it to pay for this, that, or what have you. Mm -hmm. That's what I find more often than not. Is they, I, they just go, I just can't do any more than I'm doing. Okay. And, and when you're talking about the catch up, it's, it's a great way. Like, so from 50, basically you can start doing that at 50. It's a, it kicks it up a little bit more in the different, different kinds of accounts. It's a great way to start adding it up. And you might say, well, is it going to make that big a difference? But let's say you work 15 more years. If you're maxing out for 15 years from 50 to 65, it's not chicken fee either. Right. <laughs> so it can make a it's nice not. difference. Yeah. Uh, it's you, not, I mean, it, you put it in and you do it, but the biggest problem is people just, they don't budget for the it. discipline, right? Yeah. yeah. And the other part is, and here's, I'll, I'll, I'll go one other, one step further sure. when, when they say, well, I can't afford it. I can't budget. But inevitably when I ask them, the next question is, do you get a tax refund every year? They go, oh yeah, boy, I get about seven, $8,000 a year back on my taxes. And it's right. like, uh, do you understand you're not getting any interest on that? They're just taking your money, holding on to it and giving back your money. Yep. You're not getting anything back from the government. It's your money. Yep which could easily be put into your plan going forward. Well, actually, you know what? I'll jump around on this list because of what you're saying there. That actually makes great sense because you did mention, you know, even taking advantage. So let me move to the not everybody takes advantage. So not only do 15% of the people not, you know, uh, do the catch-up, participate in the catch-up contribution, but check this out. In 2019, 34% of plan participants didn't even contribute enough to meet their employees or their employer's match. Dude, that's other people's free money. <laughs> right, that's right? exactly what I tell them. Look, if it's even up to 3%, well, then put 3% in and double your money. I mean, exactly. You can scrounge around, cut one of your streaming services. Yeah. On, drop you know, down one latte a month or whatever. That's right. Cut something for crying out loud. We're not talking thousands of dollars to, nope. to do this. I mean, think about it. You make 50 grand a year, you put in 3%. That's fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. That's nothing. It's nothing. That's that's a hundred dollars a month, approximately. And that's you know every job is different. Some are three, right? Some are five. Whatever the case is to get the match. But yeah, I mean, there's just is there in your mind, Steve, and you've been doing this for many years. Is there ever a reason not to at least? I mean, that's thirty four percent of people not taking advantage of the employer match. Now I get this, this year, you know, layoffs and different things happen. Super tight times might have happened this year, but this is actually a lot of twenty nineteen data, and the market was killing and so on and so forth. Is there ever really any reason to not do the match? No, you've got, they're giving you money. If they dropped a hundred dollars on the floor and said, in order to pick that up, <laughs> you, you got to just turn around and pick it there'd up. There'd be a I scrum, would. right? People would dive on it, right? I know. Yeah. It's, I pick up dimes off the street or a quarter, you know, I mean, right. so somebody's going to, you know, if, if you're working and they're offering you a match, cut back on something budgeted in just so at least you get the doubling of your money. Yeah. And to your point with the taxes, if you do a bit of a better job of kind of planning and getting your taxes done, you could be putting that money easily put that money in there and, and get there and not feel that quote unquote pinch. We do a terrible job of educating people in this country from the school systems on up, even into adult education about, you know, ways to take advantage of maximize stuff. I think you and I had this conversation once before, and I know we're getting off topic, but people talk about, I need to find some tax loopholes so that I can, you know, save money or whatever. And it's like, there's really no loopholes. The law is the law. It's just how effective are you being? Right. Are you taking advantage of the current law? Right. Are you taking advantage of the Roth provisions that are sitting out there mm -hmm. uh, where you can put money in, grow it tax-free, and ultimately never pay any taxes on it? 
I mean, that's not a loophole. That's a law. Are you taking advantage? No. Right. You know, people don't do it. I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll ask people, I'll say, okay, how much do you have in cash in the bank? Well, I got 50 grand sitting in cash. And it's like, are you, and they're still working. And, and they, you know, they don't exceed the income limitation for a Roth IRA. Right. I said, well, why don't you just take some of that money out of that saving, a cash and put it into a Roth. And then when you're 65 years old, whatever it's grown to is going to be tax free to you. And, but they go, well, I might need it. And I'm like, well, you got $50,000 <laughs> in cash. Yeah. How many $50,000 emergencies come up? And the other part is on a Roth, if you do that, you can always get that money out. And most of it's going to be tax-free to you. So yeah. it's, I think you're absolutely right. People just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And so, I mean, I get it, you know, you know, money, finance, math is not, it was actually, it's really funny that I, I have a job now, you know, in the last seven years where I spent all my time talking about this stuff because it was never my strong suit in school. It was never my strong suit as a young adult or anything like that. But, you know, that's one thing that's great about humans. You have the ability to, you know, adjust and, and learn and all these kinds of things. So there's really, you know, again, working with an advisor is a great way. If you're, if it's just not your bag, then go work with somebody who can help you over the hump. You know, it's like uh, we we say about a car. You know, it's like I don't need to know how a combustion engine works in order to drive a car. Same thing. So if it's not your thing, go work with an advisor so they can be that kind of combustion engine. They can kind of do all the under the hood stuff and just have a basic idea so you can drive the car, so to speak. Exactly, and and work with somebody who's going to explain it to you in layman terms. I mean, yeah. I mean, I meet people and talk to people and, and it's not their issue, their, their fault or anything, but they really don't really know what a bond or a stock, they know what a stock is, but they really don't understand what a bond is. And it's like, well, you know, you need to know that. And somebody ought to explain it to you. You know, you're loaning money to somebody and that's a bond. If you have a stock, you're owning part of the company. You own or you loan. You're either an owner or a loaner. Exactly. And, and if people can get that, they can understand what they have. So, I think a lot of the problem, unfortunately, it comes down to my brethren. I mean, some I talk to some and or listen and read and, and they make it so difficult. And it's really not that difficult. Um, but kind of compound the situation. The way it is. So yeah. if you work with somebody, make sure you work with somebody who can explain things to you that's easy. It's not that difficult. Well, and I tell you what, so if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, folks, do so because actually on the next episode that we're going to do coming up in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk some basic financial stuff you should know, like bonds. So uh, that's a great place to pick up some extra information as well. And that's one of the reasons we do the podcast. So don't forget to subscribe to the Retirement Pilot, whatever app you like using, Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, whatever the case is. Uh, I think we're going to be getting on to Amazon pretty soon. We'll keep you posted on that. But you can find all of that at wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. Or just search out the retirement pilot on whatever app you're using. So let's get back to this uh, this, stat, this report here from Vanguard. Uh, check this out. So tell me your thoughts on this. It said the average number of funds offered in most uh, plans is about 17.4 different funds. But the average number of funds actually used by people is only about 2.4. Now, my thought is, is it because 17 is too confusing and too many, so people go with a simpler option? Or is it more reflective of that criticism that's out there that there aren't a lot of choices, uh, and that's why people just stick with a couple of majors? I think it's a combination of both. I think that when you, I, I years ago saw the Ford Motor Company plan. They had over 100 different options you could choose. From. Wow. Mutual funds. I don't know what it is today, but that that's like insane. Right. 17 
and the reason why we get some, why there's so many is they want to make sure that you have a variety of different options in each asset category. So they want to make sure you have four or five to choose from a large company mm-hmm. funds, small company funds, medium size, et cetera. So there, so you have a, a lot to choose from. Mm-hmm. The reason why I think so few are used is because a lot of times people just pick what they heard of before. They probably heard, oh, I've, I've heard of the, uh, XYZ fund. Well, I'll put right, money in yeah. that. I've heard that. It's not target dates get a lot of that, I would imagine, because it's just easy to do, right? Yeah. And target dates kind of were put in to cover the um, the company in terms of fiduciary responsibility. And so that they say, hey, we've, we've provided this to our employees so that they have a, a well-diversified portfolio and covers them for fiduciary responsibility so they don't get sued by mm-hmm. their, their employees. Right. So, and, and a lot of target date funds are dreadful. And that's the reason why is that a lot of fund companies will put together these target date funds and target date funds are just basically funds of funds. So it's like they, they put together a diversified portfolio of mutual funds, for example. Mm-hmm. And each year what happens is it, it becomes less and less aggressive in the stock position and they put it into the bond position. So that's kind of what they do on it. And But what a lot of these firms will do is, is instead of closing down a fund because no money's going into it and it's done terrible, they'll put it in the target date. And that way, they automatically get more money going into it. They don't have to shut it down or merge it with another fund. But people just don't know that that's what's sitting in there. So target dates do have a position, but a lot of times a qualified advisor can help you see what other options are available and put together a more personalized, better plan than what's in a target date fund. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So moving right along here, a lot of good information. Like I said, there's a lot in this uh, and we're not going to get to all of it, but we're just going to kind of get through as much of it as we can. I want to circle back because you mentioned, you know, people moving on when we first started with the the different amount of assets and how many people use these people leaving them behind. Often they're called orphaned accounts. And it said 80% of uh, participants have left their assets with a prior employee or employer, excuse me, 80% in a lot of cases, which means about 96% of all available assets from these funds are sitting there able to be either distributed or rolled over or whatever the case might be. That's a heck of an impact that it could be of 96% of assets that could go into IRAs or Roths that could be used more effectively than just sitting in these orphaned accounts that often don't do very well. True. And they're not managed. And I think the biggest reason in, in, from the people I talk to, why they've left it there is a, well, I don't know what to do with it. You know, I don't know what to, where to put it. I don't, I don't want to make a mistake. I figure if I keep it at the company plan, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be better off than if I try to move it someplace else, but I don't know where to move it. And that is not a good strategy because you need to know where your money is and you need to make sure that it's invested the way you want it invested. So it's always a good idea to move it to an IRA and allocate it to what you're comfortable with um, going forward. Some also will leave it with their employer because I've done really well in it. And that's a, that's a viable answer as well. Okay, that's fine. If you're comfortable with it, you've, you've done well over there, then by all means, keep it there. Yeah. But for the vast majority of people, it's just they don't know what to do with it. The other part is they didn't know what they could do with it, and they're afraid to make a mistake. Gotcha. Okay. Well, our final one, and this is one I'm really curious about, 
is that in this report, Vanguard's How America Saves 2020 report, Steve, it said 76% of participants in defined contribution plans were deemed to have balanced strategies. That seems like a pretty good number. 76% of people of these possibly 100 million people investing are balanced. Is that the case when you see people, are they truly balanced? And I guess it really also depends on what the definition of balanced is, because you mentioned earlier target date funds. I know some of those even when you're 60 years old, they're still doing like 60-40 splits. And that's probably not balanced for a lot of 60-year-olds to be 60% weighted in stocks. No, I don't think they're balanced at all. I think I think there's one way or the other. I think most people are either going to have way too much risk in their portfolio because most people invest on a behavioral method, meaning when things are going well, they throw money at what's doing well. And the last few years, the S&P 500 or large cap companies part of the stock market has just been going great. Um, and then what happens is somebody gets on that roll and they start throwing money into that. The converse is when the things start to go bad going down, then everybody starts to buy things that are going up. In other words, the bond market. You know, when, when the stocks are going down, bonds supposedly are going up in value. That's when they start panicking and start putting money into bonds and selling out of their stocks and, and making poor decisions. But going back to the balance, I don't think most people are balanced. They're either one way. They either have all their money stuck in the S&P 500 or a large company, or they're very conservative. And I'd seen some just almost all in cash because they're afraid that the market's going to go down as soon as they put money in it. So they're one way or the other. And that doesn't do any good. So you, somebody really does need to have a truly diversified portfolio. And I always tell them, just let the market work for you. I mean, the market's going to go up. It's going to go down. It's not going to go to zero. Not every company in the, in the S&P 500 is going to go broke and go to zero. You're not going to lose all your money. Um, that's the one that people tell me, oh, my God, I'm going to lose all my money. No, you won't. It may go down 20 30%, but you're not going to lose all your money. Well, there you go. All right. So, folks, look, there's, you know, there's so many strategies. There's so many things out there. Defined contribution plans are just one way to kind of save for retirement. They're a great way. They're a very useful way. But you know, having the right strategies in place is really, really important. That's one of the reasons we do the show is to hopefully shine lights on different things to get you thinking and get you, you know, wondering, hey, is this right for me? Should I do this, that, or the other? But it all comes back to having a plan, having a strategy in place. So if you need some help, as always, before you take any action, you should always talk with a qualified professional. Steve's got more than 20 years of experience in the financial service industry. So give him a jingle, 913-685-3207. Ask, share some information with him and say, hey, am I maximizing these uh, plans to best of, the best of my ability? Or are there some things we could change or tweak? 913-685-3207. Whether you're already uh, retired or still working, you need a second opinion or you need a first opinion, whatever the case is, reach out and have a chat. Don't forget to subscribe to us, as I mentioned earlier, the Retirement Pilot on your favorite app of choice. You can also find it at wealthpartnerskc.com. That's wealthpartnerskc.com. Steve, my friend, thanks for your time. Appreciate you hanging out with me and have yourself a good week, okay? Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. We'll catch you next time. And don't forget, folks, stay tuned in because on the next episode, we are going to talk about some financial stuff you should know. We'll see you next time here on The Retirement Pilot. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.